You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this edition of the Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1009. Leadership Rigor offers innovation in leadership through its breakthrough approaches for transforming the way you lead. And I've asked Erica Pilter to uh, appear on the show to talk about how you lead, what you lead, and what you achieve as a leader. She's joined. She's going to join us and talk about her latest book and a roadmap to help your leadership development journey. Erica, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Thanks, Richard. Happy to be here with your uh, audience. Yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself, your coaching business, sort of your, your, I know you're author of multiple books, but just give our audience a little bit of sense for who you are. Sure, a little bit of background. So I'm a pharmacist by training. I went to pharmacy school. I became a healthcare executive, worked for about 20 years in a variety of roles, rising through the ranks in sales and marketing, became a general manager, ran a $400 million business for a large pharmaceutical company, and really specialized in transformations and turnarounds. So divisions or areas that may have needed a specific boost or a jolt, or if we were looking to do something that we hadn't done before, that was kind of where I tended to specialize in the area of change. And then at about 40 years old, 41 years old, um, I was getting just a little bit uh, restless, maybe a little bit bored, and decided to take a year off, think about what I was really passionate about. That was pretty clear to me that it was leadership. So I decided to explore coaching and ended up starting my own coaching and consulting firm. And it's what I would call maybe a boutique firm that focuses on CEOs and leadership teams in the small to mid-sized space had an opportunity to write two books. One was on personal transformation called Open Up and Say Ah. The mm. second one, which you mentioned at the top of the show, Leadership Rigor, is really about structured transformation within organizations. And I'm excited to talk to you about Leadership Rigor. That's really the reason why you're here on the program today, but I wanted the audience to understand kind of your depth of background and experience. Uh, I wonder if you could help us to understand, what was the inspiration for writing Leadership Rigor? So, you know, after writing the first book, which is hard, I mean, writing, I think writing books is hard. I'm not really an author, but yet I'm someone who wanted to passionately share what I had learned. And I had had three experiences that really compelled me, actually, to write the book. One was um, I had done an expat assignment in Canada where I was asked to turn around a division that hadn't been really performing well or making its numbers, and it was the most awesome textbook case of change management and cultural transformation, and the lessons were just amazing. So I had this wonderful experience, and I thought I missed my opportunity right when that was done to really put pen to paper. Uh I subsequently had an opportunity to work as a chair for Vistage International, which is uh, an organization that brings together CEOs from small to mid-sized companies and facilitates learning and development. And I had done that for seven years, and it amassed this amazing amount of content and insights from working in that entrepreneurial space. And my passion for growth and change, all of those kind of converged, and I said, you know, I really need to put pen to paper here because so many CEOs and business leaders in that small to mid-sized space don't have the luxury of the structured learning 
learning that I've had exposure to or that folks in the larger corporations and corporate space have exposure to. And I really wanted to provide them with something that they could tangibly use as a training roadmap. That's excellent. And I'm, uh, we're very big fans, Erica, here on Critical Mass Radio Show of the power of peer learning. So your experience leading those groups uh, for Vistage, uh, that's awesome work. I'm very happy to hear that you've done that. That's great. Uh, how should people prioritize, uh, you know, the per- in performance-based organizations? How, how, do, how do you look at the talent and the leadership, succession planning? You know, what do you write about? How can What can you give? Because our audience are those exact people that you talked about who were in the room with you when you were the chair, you know, middle market CEOs and business owners? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, first let me say that to me, when we talk about a performance-based organization, what we're basically saying is that that's a pretty enlightened organization that acknowledges both results and behaviors are equally important. So, you know, getting getting what you need to happen in terms of the, uh, the financials and the business, but also how you go to work and how you work collaboratively together, equally important. So when I look at a performance-based organization, and in part three of Leadership Rigor, it's written in three parts, leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. One of the things that I'm very proud about is I put together, based on my own experiences and then the peer-related Vistage group experiences, a model called organizational excellence. And it exactly addresses your question, which is, you know, what is that prioritized way to approach things? And I outline that there are basically six things that a CEO and a leader leadership team must do. A lot of things they could do, but six things they must do. And they go in a prioritized sequence. So what's interesting is they have to start off by creating the right environment. And by that right environment, I mean a safe space environment where people can say what they need to say, challenge, and feel like it's safe to do so, and that you are committed as a leader in an organization to getting that talent on the ground so you're not stifling it. The next piece is really culture. How do we do things around here? What's our process for things? Because behavior is such a big part of being a performance-based organization, the behaviors of not only the values and how you collaborate and how you're accountable with each other, but how do you make decisions and what's the way that we will do things in this particular organization is part number two. Next is talent. Who's on the seat and uh, who's in the uh, who's on the bus and are they in the right seat? And do they expose themselves and do they really role model the cultural behavioral pieces that we want to see in the organization? Next is strategy. Where do we play? How do we win? And performance. What are we measuring and how do we track it? Last piece, communication. Are people understanding what we're trying to do, where we're going, and what we're trying to accomplish? And those six areas, I mean, I call that organizational excellence 1.0. You know, you mentioned succession planning. You know, when you're talking about the talent and strategy areas collectively, that really is succession planning. Do we have the talent to get this organization to where it needs to get to? And I would say that that's something that once you have the basics of those six framework pieces on the ground, you can start to look at succession planning and then have some meaningful conversation around it. We're talking with Erica Peetler here on Critical Mass Radio Show. We're talking about some of the content in her latest book, Leadership Rigor. So you, you touched on those six areas. From your research and your work with these companies, does anyone stand out as being the most area in need of attention or the area that maybe is underinvested in by these companies? Or are they all that's a great, equal? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, and it's interesting because if you have this conversation with a lot of folks, a lot of folks will jump all over strategy. 
and then they will say, you know, hey, you know, strategy is the most important thing. I personally, from both my on-the-ground practitioner experience and then as a leadership coach and someone working with a lot of these organizations, fundamentally for me, it starts with culture because if you don't set the tone for how you want to do things in that particular organization and what those behaviors are, you get really a little bit of chaos and anarchy, and the culture is what holds the cohesiveness together. And I find that whether it's in big or small companies, not enough time is paid to consciously being disciplined around that. And that's where you get you know, behavioral expectations being out of whack, or you get a lot of your um, challenging people-related issues that actually are where most executives spend most of their time, and they get really frustrated. And it really all comes back to, have you done the fundamentals around creating the culture you want and the behavioral expectations? That's interesting because it makes me think of a Peter Drucker quote that Mark Fields, president of Ford, helped to make kind of famous, you know, organizational culture, each strategy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Love that quote. And it's so true. It's so true. I mean, talk about a sequencing. That is really a fundamental that the best leaders, the real leaders on the ground who have, who have made organizations work, not just organizations successful for one year or two years, but have that enduring sustainability and scalability, uh-huh. they know that it's about culture. Right. And, and I think the other one, you know, I asked you that question hoping that you would be able to put a finer point on it, which you did with with amazing clarity. The other area that I think sometimes that the CEOs and executives don't realize, but the if you talk to the direct reports or the, the staff of the company, they will tell you, and that's an area of communication. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, uh, especially as you have more and more millennials and younger workers in the workforce, the need to really explain and justify w- where you're going and what you're doing is, is ever-present. And I think a lot of times business owners and CEOs either get tired of doing it or don't feel like they are obligated as much as the organization does require. That's, that's a huge gap, and, and I'll tell you why. A couple things. One is most people think that communication or they think that communication is happening and I say well communication is an illusion it looks like someone's talking looks like someone's listening and they didn't hear each other at all you know the other piece is today with all of the social media and all of the things that we are exposed to you know there are now estimates that you need to say things between 13 and 18 times to actually have them land and have people hear them most CEOs that I work with they feel like they've said it three times and they're done. Right. And I'm like, you know what? You're just beginning, so get ready because that really is your job. And the best leaders today, and you mentioned the words in the in the framework of the question, best leaders today are what you would call consciously competent leaders. They know what they're doing, they know how to do it, and they're able to explain why they're doing it. And millennials in particular are really into their learning and their development. And if we as leaders are not providing what, why, and how in a comprehensive way, they're not learning as fast as they want, and they get really dissatisfied. So that's one of the keys that we need to make sure that we bring to the table as leaders. We're talking with Erica Petler. We're going to take our first and only commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. It's really not a commercial. It's just an advertisement, let's say, for something, one of the products or services that I offer here through Critical Mass for Business. And you don't want to go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe you're listening to us on the live stream here on octalkradio.net, or maybe you're in the future on iTunes or Stitcher or one of the other platforms that we use, or maybe off of Erica's website. Um, I'm going to ask you, Erica, based on your research, to kind of define from your perspective what is the role of a leader in an organization? 
So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Be right back, sorry, with Erica after this word from me. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. Erica Petler is our guest. We're talking about her latest book, Leadership Rigor. A great way to stay informed about our guests is to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Simply go to Critical Mass for F O R Critical Mass for Business dot com. At the bottom of any page, any page is a simple join our mailing list box. If you simply type in your email address and hit subscribe like magic, you'll start receiving our weekly newsletter with information about our great upcoming guests like Erica, as well as some insights from me. All right, before the break, Erica, I said I was going to ask you to talk about the role of a leader based on your research. And could you give us some insight into that? Well, yeah. I mean, my, you know, it's interesting because there's so many ways you can answer that question. But let me answer that question in what I think is a contemporary and relevant way for the environment that we're living in. And you've probably heard perhaps from some of your guests that, you know, we tend to describe the environment that we're all operating in today as a VUCA world, V-U-C-A, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. So, you know, regardless of the sector, the organizational type that you're in, you're dealing with a very complex, ambiguous, and, and volatile and uncertain world. So as a leader, what do you need to do in today's world? You need to be change-ready. And, you know, the way I look at that and, and describe it, Richard, is change-ready is you are able to facilitate two critical things in your organization, progress and aligned action. So, you know, keeping the momentum moving, keeping the peanut moving ahead, but also making sure that you have people aligned and moving forward because that's really what leadership is about, you know, taking people towards that vision and towards that next step. You know, I wonder if you could share a little bit about how leaders can orient towards we versus I in culture. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. So it's interesting because, you know, when we first come into the workforce, we actually have to be I focused. You know, we kind of have to have our skills. We have to get really clear about what's our talent and our capability. But as you start to get to a team leader perspective or an organizational perspective, you, know, you move from what I would call meology to weology, right? And things start to change. You start to have to get work done through people. It's not just all on you as an individual contributor. And you start to become what I call an interface player, where you start to realize that all work is collaborative. And, you know, where we used to think that work was done vertically in my function, right. today's work is all done horizontally. And the concept of weology is looking to your right and looking to your left and making sure that you understand, you know, how do I receive a baton, do my work with the baton, pass the baton, and facilitate that progress and that aligned action across the organization. 
to me, that's the highest level of rheology that we can be operating at. And cross-functional collaboration and cross-functional teamwork, very challenging for organizations because it really requires that performance-based focus on not just what needs to get done, but how do we get it done. And when we're dealing with people and we're dealing with a lot of different personalities, it's messy out there. So we really need to have those soft skills to be able to do that. We're talking with Erica Pietler, and we're talking about content in her book, Leadership Rigor. I know one of the other things you talk about, and you you mentioned it here on the radio show at the Open as well, and I think it's um, really kind of the foundation of any high-performing organization, and that is the role that the leader has in inspiring trust in their people. Because I, I do believe in Stephen M.R. Covey talks about a trust tax. He wrote a book uh, on trust, and, you know, th- there really is, and it can be easy to break, even unintentionally, the trust within your organization, and it's it's very hard to get it back once you've lost it. What, what's your view on that? Well, first of all, I think that's a great piece of work, and I love that, and I reference that all the time. Run on the bank. You know, you could do a million things right and then violate that trust, and boom, you know, it just it goes out the window. But, you know, there are two things, and you, you put the two words together, I think, in a, in a really powerful way. You said, you know, inspiring trust. So, you know, inspiring to me, and, and we often say that leaders' roles are to inspire, because we can't motivate people. People are self-motivated. You know, Richard right. is motivated by achievement. Eric is motivated by learning, all different things. We're hardwired. But as leaders, we can create the conditions in which your motivations can be fully realized and my motivations can be fully realized. So, you know, we need to be really savvy as leaders in terms of understanding the inherent motivations of our people and then being able to create those conditions. When it comes to trust, you know, in addition to the Stephen Covey trust tax, you know, two things that that I, you know, uh, coach leaders in in terms of building trust is, one, it's always better to be a giver of trust than someone who requires earning of trust. Because while you may occasionally be disappointed that you give trust and the trust is maybe not appreciated and, and someone doesn't perform to the expectations you have, if you choose to be an earner of trust, it's very unclear when I earn it, and it's very unclear if I lose it. And, you know, you put me in a position where, back to the environment I was talking about with the organizational excellence, it's not safe space for me if I have to continuously earn your trust. So being a giver of trust, I think, is really critical for today's contemporary leaders to be thinking about. Mm. The other thing is what we love most in our leaders, what really, I think, inspires us, to be dedicated and, and perform for our leaders is, will they be authentic and vulnerable with us? You right. know, will they say sorry when they make a mistake? Will they admit when they were wrong? And will they ask for help when they need it? Because if they do that, we not only will step up to the plate and assist them, but they create, again, that safe space for us where we too can be vulnerable, where we too can make that mistake. So that trust piece is a two-way street, and it's so powerful. And when that authentic leader is able to step into that space, they completely change the dynamics of what's possible in their organization. All right, Erica, I've got about two minutes left with you, and I, you know, we're, we're rapid-firedly just touching, skimming the high points, frankly, of your book. And I would, I highly recommend it. We're going to ask about how people can buy it here in a minute, Leadership Rigor. But before we do that, can you summarize how a leader can tell if their organization is practicing performance-based principles? Yeah, you know, that's a that's a that's a great question, a powerful question, and. 
you know, again, back to it's about not only what you're doing, but how you're doing it. I think, in, in my experience, I know that an organization is practicing performance-based principles because I hear it in the language. I feel it in that safe space environment. You know, you'll look at an organization, if they are working productively at the speed of business and not tied up in their own, you know, uh, internal craziness, you know that they're focused on the right goals and objectives and, and behaviors. And the mood and morale is, you know, life. You know, they, they know who they are, they know what they're trying to do, and they have respect for each other, and they're creating an environment that feels good. So, you know, from those intangible you know, I think you can walk in or I can walk into an environment and you kind of get the sense of it. Now, on the practical side, you know, performance management, succession planning, uh, coaching sessions, you know, as you get to know an organization more fundamentally on the inside, they're using the rigor and the, uh, the focus of tools in an objective, consistent, and fair way to track and measure their performance, both behaviorally and result-wise over time. But it's an intangible and a tangible, and I think you know, we, can be, we can be sensitized to both of those um, as, we, as we learn about where an organization is and how we can help them when we're trying to coach them or, or consult with them. Erica, if someone would like to buy leadership rigor, where, would they, where do you suggest they go? Yeah, thanks for that. Um, so Amazon.com, you can uh, go on Amazon.com. It's a Kindle version. It's an iBooks version and also hard copy. And uh, if you are interested in, you know, continuing a dialogue and asking questions about leadership rigor or coaching, I'm on Twitter at, at, at Erica Peetler and also EricaPeetler.com, E-R-I-C-A-P-E-I-T-L-E-R.com. Thank you for being a friend of the program. Welcome to the Critical Mass Learning Community. I loved your book. You've, you've done a great job of teasing out a lot of valuable content, but trust me, ladies and gentlemen, there's much more in the book. And if you're a leader of an organization or someone who's helping leaders of organizations, I think this book is an outstanding investment of your time. So I appreciate you giving of your time today, Erica, to be a guest here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Richard, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. My pleasure. Have a good day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I'd like to thank Paul Roberts, who is our engineer. Our producers are Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. I'm your host, Richard Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about the radio show or the firm that I lead, the CEO peer groups that I uh, deliver here in Southern California, then visit my company's website, Critical Mass 4, F-O-R, business.com. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 